Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to today's Reddit quickie video. Taken from the HFY subreddit, the story is called The B Team. Written by Lars Shepard, the link to the original will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, there is a link under the information button to an entire playlist filled with one-shots. I hope you enjoy those too. The alien mothership drifted down towards the world in flames, seemingly ignorant of gravity. Western Europe was covered in a meter of soot. Much of North America was a dust bowl, and Israel and the British Isles were parking lots. Manhattan itself and the UN buildings was a smoking crater. Pakistan was a wasteland from Peshawar to Karachi, and the parts of India which had escaped immediate annihilation were flooded. China and Russia, what was left of them, were in no shape to support human habitation. Every powerful nation from Japan to Spain, from South Africa to Germany, was destroyed. Every major government, every modern military base, every missile silo was eliminated. Every satellite in orbit and was a cloud of debris. The mothership alighted gently in Mongolia, far away from any civilization, and the aliens immediately emerged and began disassembling its systems to build a massive fortifications. Fuel. They'd come to Earth for fuel. Fuel that they could have squeezed from a rock or siphon from any star or gas giant. But instead, they laid waste to our home. Their first strike was immediate and devastating, and now they want about their business without any concern for the defenseless humans still eking out an existence of what was left of the miserable planet. The UN Security Council was all dead. The highest-ranking American government official still alive was Kentucky's deputy director of the Division of Abandoned Mineland Lands, who had been underground during the strike, and the remaining members of the nations of the councils had fared no better. In the abandoned but impressive building in the heart of Nurse Sultan, Kazakhstan, it had been abandoned before the strike as well. The brightest minds of what was left of humanity met. The leader was a Canadian government who had once been the Minister of the Canadian Heritage and extremely proud of how much better what was once Toronto was than what was still definitely currently Detroit, but spoke first. She was relieved that there was no longer the need to speak in French. We are all that's left alive, we must do something. The Mongolian delegate was still dressed in the road leathers. Our Harley-Davidson battalion reports that the aliens haven't even bothered to set up defenses. We should strike now. As he struck out the rich mahogany table with his fist, dust from his jacket flew into the air. A serene highness from the Monaco coughed quietly. This is intolerable, the Portuguese prime minister shouted. It's almost as if they don't respect us at all. The room resounded with nods of heads and hushed murmurs. Some American tourists were caught in Tijuana during the strike. The Mexican president tentatively offered. They offered to use a potato cannon that they smuggled across the... It was silenced by a withering glare from the Governor General of the Bahamas, resplendent in a leopard print pantsuit. We've got tanks, said the Ethiopian delegate proudly. We just need a way to get them there. The representatives of America, Azerbaijan, and Angora quickly nodded. Even the president of Eritrea offered a cautious smile under the circumstances. After quickly conferring with Argentina and Thailand, the president of Egypt spoke up. We can transport them on the deck of our aircraft carriers. 
the Mexican president, somewhat chastened by the response of his previous comments, seemed raring for a fight. We don't have any tanks, but I'll be damned if we don't take part in this historic effort. Just give us a way to get into the battle. We're happy to provide vehicles, said the president of Colombia, whose country contained an old Renault plant, but I want something in return. He looked at the Sultan of Brunei, whose Rolls Royce had coveted for years. Your car. Absolutely not, the Sultan, indignant, but after taking a temperature of the room, he reconsidered. I'll give you a door and two quarter panels, final offer. After thinking hard for a few moments, the President of Colombia shook his hand. They had a deal, and the nations of Earth had a plan. The President of Iceland looked with pride as he assembled forces of Earth. Dozens of T-55s and M-47s rumbled across the Mongolian steppes. As the Fogger magisters daintily buzzed overhead, the cream of the Chilean and Mexican infantry rode proudly in Colombian Renaults and Filipino jeepneys at the rear of the column, with the lead Honduran axe-throwers keeping a careful watch of the roofs. Pikemen from the Vatican took up a vanguard on the Honda Super Cubs graciously provided by Vietnam. Mongolian outriders on the Harley-Davidsons watched the flanks. Out of sight but still within earshot of the throaty bauble of their engines. As the marvellous army drew within sight of an alien mothership, the Prime Minister of Jamaica couldn't help but yell, CHARGE! Before the eyes of Earth's finest remaining leaders, the last, best hope for humanity, unleashed heck. With a raspy whine, the potential Swiss guard charged slowly towards the enemy in a hail of lasers of fire. They speared alien drones left and right with their halibuds. Fortunate that the alien lasers were absorbed by the precise shades of blue and yellow like on the uniform. The T-55s followed in a battle, great diesel injos bellowing smoke into the big Mongolian sky. Aliens began to run from them. Deathly frightened by the clods of dirt being blown into the air by the shells, the tanks overtook the pikemen and their haste and began to take lasers fire themselves. Rivulets of molten metal began to rain in their hulls. The supreme head of Malaysia winced as a laser finally drilled through the skin of a T-55 and found its emirac, only for nothing to happen. Do not worry, my friend, chuckled the president of Chad. We never could afford to buy ammo. The Mongolian outriders pierced the enemy lines, fiercely ululating and raking the aliens with the AK-47s. The alien retreat had turned into a rout, drones and soldiers ambling back towards the mothership as rapidly as they could work their pseudopods. Magisters from El Salvador supported them, bravely flying low enough to pull over the aliens with the jet wash. After briefly stalling when the order to charge was given, the motorized infantry in Renaults and jeepneys came in strong and blew past the tanks and mopeds. As they penetrated the alien factory, the murderous hail of axes from the Hungerians began to take its toll, making a mess of the delicate system's pipes and valves. A strange alien fluid began to gush onto the Mongolian steppe. Look! Something's happening! shouted the Bangladeshi Deputy State Minister of Liberation War Affairs. Venezuela's Minister of Urban Area Agriculture broadened her eyes as she followed the pointing hand. Half of the alien mothership broke away and stood on two legs. The great titan was bristling with weapons in every description. 
Great gouts of plasma emulated the Swiss guard. Electric fire destroyed half of the tank force in an instant. Fierce laser fire, however slightly different color this time, slaughtered the pride of the Mexican infantry. Mason lances crushed against Japanese, and Renault's honestly seemed to be like they broke down sympathetically without ever being targeted by an alien mech. The brave endurance stood strong, but their axes clinked ineffectively against the great alien machines and metal skin. Prince Vigo of Mordovia, distinctly uncomfortable at being drawn away from his throne of blood, wailed, We can't touch that thing! We're through! Kentucky's deputy director of the Division of Abandoned Mine Lands, who had found his way out of the mine and into a fight by disguising himself as the prime minister of a small Baltic country, wasn't sure if he'd ever heard of Moldovia. His knuckles turned white as he tightly gripped his pickaxe, which had been made in China. Suddenly, a spirited cheer cut through the sense of despair. A magister had cunningly distracted the alien titan by crashing into the tree. The alien war machine turned towards the crumpled wreck of the aircraft and watched in confusion as the pilots crawled away. A Greek M-47 took advantage of the distraction and barreled towards the alien, puddled fuel splashing against its tracks. They're too slow, thought the president of the General Assembly of Antigua and Barbuda. They'll never make it. Sure enough, the alien war machine turned its weapons back towards the intrepid Greek pattern. At the very last second, just before it could open fire, a lit cigarette arced up and across the tank's hatch and fell straight into the pool of alien fuel. That will never work, thought the Norwegian Minister of Children, Equality and Social Inclusion. If you toss a match into a bucket of gasoline, it'll just go out. The earth shook as the entire alien factory exploded. For a few moments, the leaders of the world held their breaths partially in anticipation, but mostly because the fumes of the alien fuel looked toxic. Then they gasped with an inevitable alien machine strode out of the flames, all except the Myanmar Deputy Minister of Health and Sports, whose division of cancer research had been fully funded, who merely smiled. The battered human army was barely holding together. The Chileans had abandoned their Reynolds and the Hondurans were now down to their last axes. The magisters had been shut out of the sky, and the engines of the last few jeepneys coughed as they turned and began to rumble away from the battle. Only the Mongolians fought on, driving in and out of the smoke on their motorcycles. The governor-general of the Bahamas lowered her eyes in despair. Suddenly, a volley of high-caliber shells smashed into the alien war machine, turning one of its arms into a mangled wreck. There, on the horizon, hundreds of tanks appeared. The Portuguese Prime Minister could make out their insignia, a red star with blue stripes. Those magnificent bastards, he cried. It's North Korea! The Minister of the Canadian Heritage watched with a glowing heart as the North Korean People's Army began to assault. Now's a moment, she said, moving her arm in a knock. Mounties! Charge! The Moose Jaw Detachment of the F Division of the Royal Canadian Mountain Police, which had been standing on guard in reserve, kicked their trusty steeds into a gallop, and they gallantly rode into the flames with their Smith and Wessons, howled at the ready. Resolved, stiffened, the shattered elements of the human army renewed their attack. The leaders of the world watched in awe as bits were blown off the alien titan until 
With a great groan, he crumpled to the ground. Reining the horses back to a trot, the commander of the Mounties met the commander of the North Korean People's Army before the dead remains of the alien mothership. He dismounted. Good thing you showed up, eh? he said. I guess it's all over then. The Mountie extended a hand and fellow commander, who shook it firmly. It's not over yet, the North Korean said. Staring into the flames, the Mountie nodded sagely. It's going to be a heck of a job to rebuild, huh? Everything we used to rely on, it's gone. How do we restart, huh? The North Korean smiled. His entire education, indeed. His entire life had led him to standing here to offer humanity the perfect answer. When all was gone, when there was no one left to depend on except each other. My friend, he said, bursting with pride, have you heard of Jush? I hope that you enjoyed. If you'd like to support the channel or the author, all the stuff is down below. And as always, I hope that you guys have a good one, and I'll see you in the next story. Cheers.